0: Jeff
1: I'm good Matt I'm good man how are you
0: good it's good to see you
1: man good to see you man it's uh it's exciting to be on with you happy new year and all that good stuff
0: yeah absolutely so uh that was fun yesterday going on your mastermind and uh laying down some information you know I really enjoyed that I appreciate you having me on there
1: well, we appreciate you coming on, man. It's uh, something that has probably been the most exciting thing about this year so far. Last year, we cultivated this great group of agents, as you know, and yeah. we talked a little bit about you know the common theme between all those people. But last year, we did a good job of cultivating that group. Everybody who's part of the group—it's really a community—and then this year, we all kind of agreed that the theme is accountability. So yeah. Like you saw, we've got a dashboard. People are filling out Monday what we call a Monday mindset accountability form where they're yep. making that public declaration, what right. their goals right. are for the week. And then on Friday, they're filling out a Friday finishing form and yep. measuring the progress that's made. And and then we're following what we consider the second rule of making a real true commitment. And that's that we're making it hurt by, on every one of those calls twice a week that like you were on, we pull it up and we, we yep.
0: hold each other accountable. Yep. So it's been uh, fun. It looked, it was really, it was really neat and interesting to me to watch uh, the way that the accountability changes people's mindsets almost instantly. You know, you had a couple of people on there that had phone call reluctance and uh, it's like once they started talking about it, all of a sudden, well, I, I guess I could do this or I could do it this way or, you know, we could find a way around uh, the uncomfortable and, and live uncomfortably, you know.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I believe uh, and a lot of others do, too, that when you transition into a growth mindset, you start becoming solution focused yeah, and less problem focused. And right. so anytime we can switch that perspective or the mental model that we're approaching things with, anytime we can make a switch like that and get more focused on the solution, I think we grow and we tend to enjoy it more. Right. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to do that on your own. And, you know, that's why a mastermind community is great for that sort of thing, because yeah. regularly you have people resetting your switch. Right. Like in my garage, I've got a circuit breaker with a GCI switch flip <laughs> all the time. Sometimes I got to go out there and reset it right. to get to get work properly. But, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes we all need that.
0: I couldn't picture Doing this business like when I first started with, you know, just kind of flying by the seat of my pants without having somebody, you know, here at where we are, we're, we've got Steve McCarthy that, you know, is my personal accountability coach. And he makes sure that I stay on top of my phone calls, make sure I stay on top of doing all my, my work, you know, and I, I just couldn't picture not having that and still having the level of success that I've found, you know.
1: Yeah, it's tough to imagine, especially when you found somebody like that, that has stretched you, you know, there's the yeah. Navy, Navy Seals, or special forces show that's on TV right now where they're right. taking celebrities and having them go through challenges. And, and, you know, a lot of that philosophy is about like stretching a rubber band, you stretch it and then mm-hmm. you let go and then you stretch it a little bit more and it goes a little farther and then you let go and relax it and you stretch a little bit more. And so when you find somebody who has stretched you, and you've gone further than you thought. It's hard to imagine what you could have done by yourself. I know Steve. Steve's put in yeah. work. You know, he's stretched yeah. himself and other people have helped him stretch farther than he could himself. But, you know, it's um, definitely hard to imagine. I spent, as I told you on on one of our private conversations, I spent almost 20 years in the investment world. So right. those of you that are old enough to have seen Glengarry *Glenn Ross or the movie Wall Street or... Right. Boiler room or these days, Wolf of Wall Street. Like I lived that environment for almost 20 years, and it was when I was younger, fun, yeah. made a whole bunch of money, mm-hmm. but man, it was you know hardcore. ABC always be closing, one call close. <laughs> I mean, the, the stuff that you hear see, even the stuff in the background got scared when I talked about it. I had a something <laughs> out of the shelf, but um, you know, and but the advantage. That you see in all those movies, I tell you one thing: you don't see in any of those examples is you never see somebody in a room by themselves, right? Because you can't usually manufacture the kind of positive mental attitude and the kind of yeah. enthusiasm that you need to do that job by yourself. And man, today, when because of COVID and a lot of other things, a lot of people are at home in an office or as yeah. well, sometimes you know you're sitting in your silo. By yourself in isolation, and it's tough to get motivated to call your database, to get motivated to call expired and for sale by owners, to get motivated to go out and door knock like you do.
0: Yeah,
1: it's tough when you're the when you when you're the player, the coach in the crowd (laughs) who's supposed to rah-rah you on. It's pretty tough.
0: It's pretty tough. I remember uh, when COVID first started, you know, we were working at home and it was a nightmare. Because, you know, we had the kids like right there because, you know, they were doing their schooling from home right at the kitchen table. And then we had Janelle and I, My Janelle's my wife. We had a just a big old desk, you know, that we had set up and uh, she was on one side of it and I was on the other. And it's like trying to get anything done was just, it wasn't working out, you know. <clears throat> I don't it's know. Funny. how how anyone can can work from the home plus your mindset's just different when you're at home like personally when i'm at home i just want to be with the kids i want to be with with janelle i want to be just like hanging out on the couch quiet watching tv doing doing at home stuff you know not not having to to grind
1: who wouldn't Who wouldn't right yeah. who, who wouldn't yeah. that's comfortable and that's yeah. enjoyable and uh, there's a german term called sitzfleisch Mm -hmm. sit flesh and you know what it means is it means to sit in one place for an extended period of time focused on doing one thing Mm -hmm. and when you have all those other distractions on it's it's hard (laughs) to do that right you know and and i think it's funny you mentioned everybody's schedule has adjusted recently i learned a story from Joe D. DeSena, who created the Spartan races, for those of you that are familiar. And he was sharing, he was in China, touring offices, and he was in an office that had 1,200 or so employees, and he's walking through one of the floors, and he looks over and he sees like some people with their head on their desk taking a nap, and he goes to the guy who's giving them the tour, he's like, what's up with those people? And he goes, oh, they work 20-hour shifts, and we let them take a nap, you know, for oh like 15, God. 20 minutes a day. And then, he goes, <laughs> and then he goes, and so then I keep walking a little bit further, and I see, like, tents. I'm talking, like, north Face tents in the corner. Yeah. And I'm like, what's up with those people? Oh, those people work three days nonstop, and we allow them to catch up and get a nap. And so, you know, his point was this whole thing about a four-day work week, whatever you're yeah. – opinion is on that if we have to compete against there's that no we're gonna have a hard way. time doing it <laughs> yeah. By you know by creating more distractions by by trying right. to work in a silo at home just to relate it back to what we were talking about
0: yeah absolutely so uh you were talking about some race yesterday that was like because there's like the spartan race which is super hard or whatever and then what was the other one that yeah. you were talking about a little bit it sounded just nuts Well, the name of it, I'm sure, just uh, that rules out
1: 99% of the population. It's called the death race. Yeah. And to believe, I had never heard of the the death race. It's not that she's the Quentin Tarantino movie either. This is a real deal. (laughs) And and so, um, you know, I run a lot. I just got back literally in time to make this call. Just got back from running a 5K, ran 13 or 15 miles on Sunday. And, you know, I've run the 4x4x48 every four hours or every Four hours, four miles for 48 hours, and uh, did a you know ultra marathons and all that. And uh, but I had never heard about this death race. Oh my yeah. god! And so you can't really even find out information about it. It happens out in the mountains of Vermont. It's thrown by Jody Desena, who started the Spartan races. There's about right. 200 to 300 people that will apply each year. You don't know when it exactly starts you don't have a clue like what's involved the obstacles yeah. you don't know how long it is it's just called over at a particular time when they think that you've suffered enough you <laughs> it's just unbelievable it's unbelievable and uh, the stories of the people that
0: struggle to make through it are also pretty unbelievable i bet you know i death race it's just yikes you're right. Hey, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to tell you one we thing, another
1: it. lesson from him that I find interesting and going back to, you know, this year is about accountability, you know, yeah. for us and our mastermind group and, and um, also automation. Okay. On the tech side, I think everybody who's working with technology and that's everybody listening to this call, we got to find a way to automate. More of those tasks, okay. But yeah. you got to be accountable in order in order to implement that stuff. But here's the thing about the Spartan races is that when he originally started it, he would find that he would have thousands of people register and pay yeah. money and not show up for um, the race, right? They just wouldn't show up. It was too cold that morning. They right. decided that was a long week of work, they didn't want to drive, whatever yeah. it would be. So what he started to do is he started making it a requirement. That in order to be accepted, you had to actually make a public declaration and make a post or uh, create a classified ad and actually declare to people who you held in a high standard that you were going to this race. And immediately by doing that, people showed up. (laughs) And so going back to, you know, in our mastermind group, we we believe that the three things and what we hold ourselves Two is when it comes to commitments, we need to make it public. We got to find a way to make it hurt. And we got to take away all exit strategies. In other words, burn the boats. So they're right. create the desperate ground. Sun Tzu says desperate ground. If there is no way to retreat back home, yeah. it's either ride or die. And right. you you get the best out of people in that situation because there's no backup plan.
0: Yeah. I was gonna ask, did be give you the that shirt or
1: no, I got this at a trail race. This is uh, in Texas, there's an organization called, and I'm sure it's, you know, David Goggins. Those of you out there who uh, who know who David Goggins is, he's an author, wrote Can't yeah. Hurt Me, recently released, never finished right. as an amazing story. But I think everybody, he seems to have made this outside of service members community who are familiar with this and historians who might know this is a reference mm-hmm. to Julius Caesar back in the day who burnt the boats, his his army, was intimidated by the opposing forces, wasn't motivated to fight. And so in order to create that motivation, he burnt the boats. And so there was no going back home, guys. We were going nope. that way. And that's it. it. And so, and so uh, whether it's him or you heard it from David Goggins, a lot of people have heard it. And there's an organization called Trail Running Over Texas here. Yeah. that put him on a lot of trail running races. And this and How did you get so into running? Uh, you know, I wasn't okay. I wasn't. I still am not. Listen, I have to talk myself into it every time. I rarely am like, all right, ready to go. Lace up those I shoes. See you man, post, I like wait.
0: all the time that you just got done running like an insane amount of miles, and you know,
1: I'm consistent. Yeah, I'm consistent.
0: Yeah. I started probably
1: four years ago. I'd have to go, but I'd have to go on Facebook and look because I pretty much yeah. have created my own public declaration right. by making that post every time. And so if you go on my personal Facebook page and you scroll, and unfortunately, good or bad, you're probably going to see 90% running stuff because I make <laughs> it a point. It's part of my process, right? Yeah. I've connected it to my process, which allows me to be more consistent with it. But probably about four years ago, a buddy of mine went to a place here called Arbor Hills Nature Preserve, and it's a great mm-hmm. place to take dogs and there's trails. And right. But I didn't run. I haven't ever ran. Okay. I grew up in California. I was a skateboarder and you know aggressive sports, but running, no thank you. And uh, one day we went out there to that Arbor Hills and for whatever reason, ran quite a distance and it just triggered something in me. And I I tend to like things that make you want to quit and that are uh, a mental challenge more than almost physical. And so running, I believe definitely is that. And so from that day forward, I started kind of consistently running in 2019, I think it was. I had set the goal to no 2020 was it because I set the goal to run 2,020 miles in 2020, mm. and uh, I didn't make it. Ran over a thousand miles. Didn't make That's it. Awesome though. If it, you know, break it. If you break it down, it's not. Um, it's not that far per day. But I tell you, just like whatever those high leverage activities that we should all be doing every day. Man, if I take a day off, it just rolls into the next day. And pretty soon I ended up having to run 10 miles every day to just keep up pace and where I needed to go. So those days off feel good. But uh, the next day when you got to put in, and that next day could be tomorrow, it could be the end of the year, the end of the quarter or when rents due. But when you got to put in that extra mile because of those days you took off, rarely is the day that you took off worth Putting
0: in that extra mileage at the end. I hear you. So, how long have you been working with NAEA? I uh, hooked up with Jay and Mike and NAEA in
1: 2015. I'd spent, like I mentioned, almost 20 years in the investment side of the business, and you know, to paint a picture of what that really means, it's cold calling investors across the country. You know, 300 calls a day or three hours of talk time, sending out prospectuses, calling people up, trying to get them to, you know, invest six figure amounts, write a check over the phone, sight unseen, all that kind of stuff. There was nothing really glamorous about it unless you made some money and you quickly found a way to waste that. Trust me. But uh, (laughs) but I was looking for a change. You know, you tend to uh, get burnt out or. You get pushed out or make a choice to leave something that you don't enjoy regardless of what the material benefits are right and if there are material benefits but you don't enjoy it you'll find a way to quickly make those material things disappear whether through self-sabotage or whatever and so i was at a point where i wanted to change and had some skill sets that were applicable in a lot of areas uh i hooked up with jay and mike by answering a corny ad i think on (laughs) craigslist or something at the time and walked into a brokerage they had in Addison, Texas, sat down with Wally Bressler. It was one of the top strategic real estate coaches in the business. Yeah, I talked And to well. uh, he said, I think you're I'm overqualified good. for this job, man. You know, <laughs> you sure you wanna come in here? I said, dude, I'm just starting over yeah. and I'm willing to do whatever. And so uh, I joined Jay and Mike, they had a brokerage with about 10 inside sales agents who made okay. calls to expired, canceled for sale by owner, home value lead, circle prospecting data, right. It's so all I did for eight hours a day, and I sat down in cubicles and made those calls along with them and set listing appointments. We had a predominantly listing-driven business, mm-hmm. closing over three hundred transactions a year with that model. And so that was the initiation of of my, uh, my my relationship with Jay and Mike and NAEA. And since that, you know, roles grown a lot over time, and
0: we've right. done a lot of great things and helped a lot of great agents and continue to. I think NAEA is like the most amazing coaching that I've, and training, you know, that I've ever had. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to hear that you got in to this relationship with them through the real estate side, making calls and doing the nitty gritty that we all do every single day, you know, to, to get the job done. And it, it developed into, the national association of expert advisors, you know, um, it just blows my mind. Everything that it does for, for the agent, you know, like anytime I've had any kind of question, I I go back into training modules and I look for the information there. I mean, it's, it's there, you know?
1: Yeah. What I find interesting is especially right now, is stuff that you might have considered old school, you yeah. know, back, back to new school, or, you know, yeah. and it, it's getting back to basics like you yeah. talked about with our mastermind group. and right. And what Jay and Mike created initially was built for times of uncertainty, times of, you know, a competitive market. There's roughly four million or so licensed real estate agents in the country. And you need to find a way to stand out and differentiate yourself. Right. And uh, that's what NAEA's training was really about at the core is differentiation, positioning yourself as an expert advisor versus a traditional real estate agent being able to really unpack and describe in a way that's meaningful to your prospect, your buyer or seller, being able to describe what your value proposition is. And a lot of people have never even heard the term value proposition, let alone know how to articulate that in a meaningful way so that it influences the decision of somebody choosing to work with you. And so that's what our training was about. But any training, you've got to have something that you rely on as a process. And that process is the path out of poverty. Okay. If you're not making any commissions, whatever it might be is a process. That's the path out of that situation.
0: Yeah. And you know, you brought up, uh, People just need to know the process, like so many places that you go, so many different brokerages, uh, they all have different values. They have different uh, ideals, right? Janelle and I were at a different brokerage before EXP, and uh, they just didn't teach us what we needed to know. You know, we're like, what do we need to do? Well, you need to grind harder, okay? At what? You know, it wasn't like, okay, go ahead and make phone calls. Okay, where are these phone numbers coming from? You know, they weren't like, okay, go ahead and invest in Red X or, you know, get one of these automated systems to to generate these numbers to help you make calls. You know, it was just grind harder.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: uh, once we came over here and we got hooked up, you know, with the McCarthys and NAEA, I mean, it just completely turned the light bulb on, you know, like really turned our whole business around, turned our mindsets around. Uh, I think it's a really great thing that is offered to agents at at every level. You can get get something out of it, and like you said, we're we're in a time right now where it is back to the basics. It really is sitting down and calling your database, making sure that you're reaching out to those people that have been reading your emails and uh, automated text messages, but are probably w- <clears throat> wondering, is this person gonna call me or are they just, you know, stringing me along? Because at some point, somebody's gonna call that that person in your database, and they're gonna get the business, you know. So. I think you're right. It right now with the way that the market is has shifted. I mean, if you're not knocking on doors and doing open houses and and calling your database, uh, you might be falling behind.
1: Yeah, and you got to interrupt people where they're at these days. Okay, you don't uh, you don't go out on Main Street and look for the general store. You go online and you find you know information through your feed or on the internet and whoever's paid the most, whether it's running an ad or they've got the best SEO, you know, practices or whatever it is, right. Um, People are interrupting you where you're at. And that's how most of us are choosing to engage with who we do. Now there's familiarity that's built up over time. And so when we make that choice, you know, it's oftentimes because of, some of uh you know the familiarity that's been built up over time but you got to I- interrupt people where they're at and and reach out to them uh, yeah I love you know. that you
0: brought that up because you know every real estate agent for some reason like their goal is to have a billboard and I thought about that one day because I mean I got there to that point where I was like why do I want a billboard and I really just like, broke it down. Matt, why do you want a billboard? It's so I could see myself driving to work and back every day. You know what I mean? Like, when it comes down to it, everything that I've done as far as search engine optimization for a business, that's what, that's where the eyeballs are. You know, it's that internet visibility. That's where the money should go, and it's a whole heck of a lot cheaper than having a billboard and a radio ad and you know, like everybody's going to see it when they go online, when they hit Facebook, they hit Google first, your ads coming up. You know, if you attach a, an ad pixel to a listing, it's going to come up every single time those keywords are hit. And, uh, it's just a whole lot more beneficial for your business to make sure that your SEO is in line than to have the billboard. So you can, you know, or the, I always think it's funny when people get a, uh, a bus bench, right? Like I want people that are taking the bus to know that I'm a realtor more than likely, maybe some of them might be in the market, but I just don't feel like that's my target market. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas with internet marketing, you can, you know, use just a little bit of keyword marketing goes a long way. And, uh, Yes, yeah, it's just way more beneficial and way cheaper.
1: Well, and you know, it's definitely a place to start. I think it, you know, and depends on the situation. If listen, if you're in a small market or you know, in an uh, area where there's that main intersection that gets a lot of views, because as you said, you know, Matt, what we're talking about is eyeballs and where they're at today. Okay, everybody back in the day listened to the radio. Then it was TV, you know, and through a lot of other mediums. But today, you know, most of the eyeballs are on their phone. And so if the goal is to get the most impressions, there's a much cheaper way of doing it. Okay. Now, if, if you know what your metrics are and you know, there's a lot of people probably who are doing large teams who are doing radio and, and doing billboards and things like that. But I promise you that along with that and what creates exponential rates of return for the radio ads and the billboard and everything else or those processes that underlie that and it's you know if somebody sees a billboard and they happen to go on and type my name into their web browser what's going to come up then and while they might see my billboard going to and from work or whatever they do daily when that point comes in which they're ready To make a decision, okay, you have people that are in the consideration stage, and you have people that are in the decision stage, and you actually have people that are in the awareness stage who just realized that they might need to make a move. But when you've got somebody who's in the decision stage, what are the chances that they're going to be looking at your billboard when they're ready to make that decision versus the chances that with a well-planned strategy, you could show up in their feed and get the benefit? of familiarity because of the billboard. And so you create a, as Jay Abraham refers to, you create an omnipresence where all that stuff works together to attract business, you know, rather than you having to chase. And for most agents, you know, um, for, for most, it's much more affordable to start with some of the things that you're talking about. Yeah. And the rate of return is typically a lot, a lot higher for them.
0: Yeah. That's the case for me personally. You know, I just, I'm kind of cheap though. When it comes down to it, I, I watch every little,
1: well, listen, you can run, you can run every billboard you want. And what really matters is what your profitability is. Yeah. You know, there's teams that are doing a thousand units a year and have zero profitability. Okay. You could, you could be closing 50 deals a year and have, profitability and so you know there's a big big difference uh between the two
0: for sure well hey man i really appreciate you coming on today i don't want to take up too much of your time uh stick around for a moment i will do man thank you for having me on matt